1,000 better stories. You're listening to 1,000 Better Stories, the Scottish Communities Climate Action Network's podcast sharing stories of community-led climate action in Scotland to help us all imagine the better and fairer future and transform what we think is possible. Welcome to our Everyday Changemakers series. We blethers with everyday people taking climate action in their communities. Hello, it's Kashka, one of your story weavers. Last Friday, I attended one of SCAN members' skill shares focused on a truly wicked problem of retrofitting our very energy inefficient Scottish homes. Our housing stock seems to be one of the worst in Europe for energy efficiency, which makes it unhealthy, uncomfortable and expensive to heat. And yet there's not been nearly enough progress made on this so far by our governments. Very frustrating indeed. So I was impressed how a couple of Scottish grassroots organisations are taking matters in their own hands by treating this as a community problem or rather a community driven solution, and this way, moving things ahead locally. This inspired me to interview one of the presenters, Tom Knockolds, who's behind one of the community-driven projects, Loco Home Retrofit, in Glasgow. For more details on the retrofit projects themselves, you can watch recordings of the Skillshare on SCAN YouTube channel as soon as they're processed. And as usual, we put all the other relevant links in the episode notes for you. And if you'd like to delve into the nitty gritty of holistic approach to retrofitting, have a look at the Scottish Ecological Design Association conference on the subject, which is taking place in Glasgow and on Zoom on the 15th and 16th of September. But for now, Let's go back to our everyday changemaker story and find out what makes Tom tick. I'm Tom Knockolds. I live in Glasgow and I'm the co-founder and and co-executive officer of Loco Home Retrofit. Loco Home Retrofit is a cooperative as well as a community interest company whose mission is to decarbonise homes in Glasgow, and we're very focused on privately owned households. We operate in the space of retrofit, which is a bit of a technical jargonistic term, simply means refitting energy efficiency and low carbon heating into existing buildings. And our mission is to make better retrofit more accessible for more people in Glasgow. Great, that sounds amazing. Why loco? We struggled with a name for a little while. I was saying to Chris, co-founder, I was saying to Chris, you know, let's not give ourselves a boring name like Glasgow Retrofit Co-op. And he was really on board with that idea. We eventually settled on Loco because it's a bit of a play on low carbon because we are a climate change action organisation. But it's also about local community and... Thirdly, and very much last and least, we did acknowledge that loco does have a meaning in some other languages, and we wanted to acknowledge that, that what we were doing was was a little bit crazy, you know. 
Because loco is Spanish for a bit mad, isn't it? <laughs> it might be a mild way of putting it. So I'm a bit hesitant to focus too much on the loco as, with that definition. Mostly it's a play on low-carbon, local community. Yeah, it reminds me of locomotive. Yeah. So it's like putting something in motion as well. So that's what I was that's thinking. That's right, exactly. Yeah. We're, we're all about getting people moving on their retrofit journey. We also grappled whether or not we would lean into the jargonistic term retrofit or try and avoid it and obviously we decided to lean into it so it is a bit of a challenge to get out there and start talking to people about retrofit and we need to approach that carefully but it's in our name and that for us is a bit of an icebreaker great way to start a conversation tell me maybe about a favorite place where you live or part of the project that you're involved with that's your favorite part so I'm, I've been living in Glasgow for three years. You hear from my voice that I'm Australian. And I've only been living in Scotland for four years. I live in the south side of Glasgow. I live in a suburb called Strathbungo, which is actually a very small suburb. Many people have heard of it. It's got a very high profile, but it's very small. And the way that I like to describe it is that particularly my part of Strathbungo, because I live in a tenement building, is sandwiched between two of the largest tenement areas in Glasgow, Pollock Shields and Govan Hill. And I live on a road that is one of the main thoroughfares between these two neighbourhoods, and I myself live in a tenement area. It's a very diverse, vibrant neighbourhood, probably the most ethnically diverse neighborhood in Scotland. There's a huge amount going on. So when I walk out my door, there's a lot on offer, a lot of um, really interesting shops, lots of cool bars and cafes and things like that. But just a, a lot of people who bring a lot of different things to the local area. And in particular, I live very close to Queen's Park and Queen's Park is one of the best parks in Glasgow, in my opinion. It's not just a a Victorian era park with sort of parading formal gardens, but it's got a wooded area and you can just lose yourself and escape the really urban environment that exists when there's tenements. And the thing that I relearn every time I go into Queen's Park is that you've got to never forget to regularly go in and be amongst the trees because they have this incredible ability to de-stress you. And then, you know, later that day or the next day, I've completely forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, re regular detox, so important. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. fortunate that you've got that on your doorstep. Um, yeah, but a really built-up urban environment with a lot of vibrancy and very close to this amazing outdoor area of Queen's Park with views over the city, trees, and, yeah, just beautiful, beautiful location. That sounds pretty amazing. Now, if you could briefly tell us about why you got involved in community action or climate action in, in this project that you set up um, here. Well, for me, it's always been there, this sort of voice inside of me about making a positive contribution and in particular an environmental bent. I grew up in an inner suburb of Sydney in Australia, the suburb I grew up in. Balmain was traditionally a very working class suburb and was one of the places where the Australian Labor Party emerged. So really 
I grew up immersed in an environment where labour struggles and class struggles were a feature. My parents were very aware of this, even if they weren't themselves from that background. My dad was an academic, for example. But I, I didn't move into that space. I got on with life and struggling as a young adult to find my way. But it was when I was in my late 30s, I found myself working for multinational law firm in the Sydney office. Law firms are interesting. They, they occupy the, the top floors of the nicest buildings. They're really nice working environments and you get to work with some really amazing, intelligent people. But it became increasingly apparent to me that I was working for the bad guys. This particular event took place where a memo went round to all staff and it said something like, you've heard about fracking and coal seam gas extraction from the media, come along and find out what it's all about. And it was sent to all staff. There were separate mailing lists for just the legal staff because I wasn't a lawyer. I was just helping with IT and sustainability projects. So it seemed like it was a genuine, let's explore this issue. But when I went along, to my horror, it was actually a session for lawyers on how they could successfully navigate their client's coal seam gas exploration license through the regulatory regime to maximise chance of success. And that for me was the big moment where it was brought up right up into my face. You're doing, you're doing the right work for the wrong organisation. And I was in a fairly comfortable position at the time. I'd never been a wealthy person, but my wife had just finished a year of study and we knew that we could survive on one income and she'd got her job back. And I, um, I quit my job gave them the minimum amount of notice and walked out the door and I didn't have anywhere I was going to. I just threw myself headlong into volunteering, lots of volunteering in my local community and for initiatives across the city. And very quickly I realised that the thing for me was community energy. And within less than a year I was part of the team at a small workers' co-op co-founded by two amazing women and that organisation is called Community Power Agency. And to date, they remain Australia's only dedicated support organisation helping communities develop energy projects. I did a lot of volunteering for one group in particular, Pingala, and we put solar panels on the roof of craft breweries across the city, among other things, and that was lots of fun. And yeah, I basically consider that ever since 2013, my career has been working in the field of community energy. It's just that in 2020, thereabouts, I shifted my focus from installing new energy generation to decarbonizing projects. So my work with Local Home Retrofit is still community energy, but it's about decarbonizing and reducing energy consumption. The flip side of our energy problem, isn't it? Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's pretty, pretty drastic uh, journey, but it feels like you're in a much better space right now. I mean, it was the best decision I've ever made in my life, career-wise, and I, f I rapidly found myself working with the most amazing people, doing the most rewarding work, feeling like I was making a 
big contribution, never earning less money. It's been wonderful. <laughs> Brilliant. Hey, sales pitch for community work. Great. Now, you've already defined retrofit for us when you're introducing your uh, project, but what does it mean to you? Yeah, I think for me, the main thing that I think about and feel when I hear the word retrofit, it's about making our existing buildings fit for the future. We're going to need to make our homes a lot more resilient because of increasingly, you know, violent weather. Um, and before that, we need to make sure that they're, first of all, well-maintained, but also in the future, we're going to need to make sure that our houses are not causing damage to the environment, such as contributing to climate change through carbon emissions and uh, healthy spaces for the occupants. So when I hear the word retrofit, I think of homes that are fit for the future, that are well-maintained and resilient, that are healthy, comfortable, and zero carbon. What advice would you give to people who want to learn more about retrofit and how communities can get involved in this? First of all, one thing that I don't think I've explained is that we are a particular type of retrofit mm -hmm. organisation. We're a local community intermediary. And let me just sort of unpack that a little bit. We firmly believe that because retrofit of homes is going to be difficult for any given homeowner, disruptive and expensive, that it's vital that people are hearing from people in their own community about what the benefits of retrofit will be, how to go about it. It's also relevant that buildings are subtly different in different areas. So in Scotland, for example, in Glasgow, we've got traditional buildings built out of sandstone using particular techniques. Whereas in Aberdeen, they've got traditional buildings built out of granite using specific techniques. So the local context really does matter. And we also know that from looking at previous programs, such as the Green Deal, the ill-fated Westminster program, top-down centralised government approaches to energy efficiency and environmental behaviour change generally don't work. I mean, they're, they're necessary. They're a necessary ingredient and piece in the puzzle but they don't actually work in terms of delivering the outcomes, achieving their goals and recognising the needs of local people, motivating lo local people to take action. So that's the local and community piece. And intermediary refers to the fact that there's simultaneously a lack of demand, a lack of households who are wanting to retrofit their homes. And there's also a lack of supply lack of installers, tradespeople that have that specific knowledge about taking a whole house approach to go much deeper and get a home onto zero carbon heating. And so we think the best type of organisation to bridge the gap between homeowners and the supply chain is a locally based organisation who's rooted in the community. So your question was, what advice would we have to someone starting out on this journey? First piece of advice is 
understand that you need to find a way of embedding yourself in the community. I'm kind of thinking you are from the local community and that gives you the greatest strength to be able to connect with the, all of the diverse aspects of what makes up that local community and you need to do that in order to be successful. You don't necessarily need to have the technical skills because those technical skills are transferable, but it's the, the more difficult work is building the community connections between yourself and your organisation and all the different groups and all the individual householders. That's actually the difficult work that would be very difficult for an external organisation to get into. Focus on the community organising aspect without being blind to the technical skills that you need that you can potentially bring in from elsewhere. Where in the world are you happiest? It's funny, there's, there's two places where that's the case. The one which is most obvious to me is I grew up in a house which had a fairly open door policy and we weren't a big family by any stretch. My parents were effectively migrants to Sydney and I'm the youngest of three, but nothing makes me happier than being in my home that's full of people, family and friends. We had the great privilege of hosting Christmas a couple of years ago in our house and the place was insanely full of people. It was stressful and noisy and hectic, but it confirmed something I really definitely already knew is that I, I'm happiest when my house is full of people. The second place I'm happiest is when I'm out in nature and in particular amongst trees. For this last question, I ask everybody this, is for you to imagine the place you live in now, 10 years from now, and imagine um, that we have all done everything possible to limit the effects of climate change and make it a fairer and better place to be here in Scotland. And as you look around you 10 years from now, share one impression or memory from that future with us. The first thing is that the neighbourhood is a lot greener than it currently is. There's a lot more trees right in the heart of the urban environment, and that's because space has been made for them. The second thing is that it's a lot quieter. That's because trees have a dampening effect on sound, but also because one of the main ways that space has been found for them is by replacing many journeys that are made by car with quieter, lower carbon, more sustainable forms of active travel. There's a lot more people walking and riding bicycles around. There's probably a lot more of those electric scooters too. <laughs> but the point is it's a lot quieter. And then the third thing is... I wouldn't say there's more people on the street, but there's more vibrancy around that. There's more people speaking to each other, saying hello to each other. So I consider that one of the main, main reasons why I'm doing the work is to build community. I'm not saying community doesn't exist in any given place. It does. I'm just saying I think our communities need to have stronger links, stronger connections. People need to know each other. That's one of the most important aspects of resilience as we step into a really uncertain future. So that's my vision. People know each other, well-connected, it's quieter, and it's definitely a lot greener. Is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners that we haven't covered? I think it's essential that we reduce carbon 
coming from our homes. And I'm, I'm definitely very sceptical about any message around decarbonisation, that it's all about individual choice. It's not all about, about individual choice. This has got to be about systemic change and about individual choice. One of the most important things we can do as individuals, whether we're renters or homeowners, is to be aware of just how much carbon is coming from heating our homes, homes in this cold climate of Scotland and to demand that something be done about that. Now, if you're a renter, the best thing you can do is to join a tenants union and speak to your landlord about them making your home more energy efficient and moving towards zero carbon heating. If you're a homeowner, the best thing you can do is to get yourself onto a, having a whole house plan for retrofit. That's the sort of thing our organization can deliver. Now, if you're not in Glasgow, it's really worth considering whether or not you and some other local people should be establishing a local retrofit intermediary, ideally structured as a co-op, so that you can ensure that it's democratic, locally owned, and the benefits are staying local, so that you can start moving all of the homes in your area forward on a journey towards zero carbon, getting those homes fit for the future. Yes, let's do it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kasia, for, for having me. And um, yeah, it's been a real pleasure to chat. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like and share it with others. It'll really help us reach a wider audience. If something exciting is happening in your own community, be sure to let us know so that we can help you tell your own story. You can drop our story weavers a line at stories at scan.scot. It's scan, S-C-C-A-N, dot scot, S-C-O-T. We also offer training and mini-grant support to community storytellers. To keep up to date with our offerings and everything SCAN, check out our website at scan.scot or find us on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram or simply sign up to the newsletter.